Hello and welcome back to Popcorn Optional. We are back after taking some time off and we are back to review Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle. We're also going to be talking about our most anticipated movies of 2018. And that's pretty much it because not a lot happened over the past two weeks since we reviewed Star Wars, but we enjoyed some time off with our families and now we're excited to get back to our weekly podcast. So as always, I'm Cameron Slanita, joined by my friends Jake Brown and Trevor Allison. What's up? Hello. Um, I really think the only thing we missed, guys, is the highly anticipated Netflix film that seemed to grab everybody's attention bright. <laughs> is that summarized right? Is that I think the critic score for it was like 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, right? Oh, yeah. It threw the roof. 110. Through the roof. I don't think anybody said it was the worst picture of the year. No. I don't think I saw that anywhere. So it was so a that's success. Good. Yeah, uh, I didn't watch it, but you guys did. So go ahead and talk about it. So when you look up this movie on Wikipedia, I feel like I'm starting a bad graduation speech. <laughs> when you look up this movie on Wikipedia, it says, Bright is a 2017 American urban fantasy action crime film. It's a lot of things. <laughs> and then I would say that's exactly correct. This is a film... That while I give it points for some originality, has no idea what it is. Is it? Is it a social commentary? Is it a gritty cop drama? Is it a survive the night horror thriller? Is it? Is it magical fantasy? Trevor, why do you have to put yes. this movie into a box? Is it? But but it, the problem is is that it doesn't do any of those things well. Exactly. It's also it's it's almost there's a section of it where about I, I guess kind of into the second act where it feels like the movie is just a music video for Bastille, <laughs> um, which is cool because I I like Bastille. Um, I mean if you've seen it, you know what scene I'm talking about. It's incredibly bizarre. Um, but but yeah, this is just very strange. Although I'll say Will Smith and Joel Edgerton like acted their hearts out in this film they, they 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 brought exactly what you would expect them to bring to this there's literally a line and in there where will smith says fairy lives don't matter and then smashes a fairy no, i'm telling you a little heavy-handed he was <laughs> so little? no the script is garbage but they did the best they could with it i'll say so trevor what if i told you then that netflix today greenlit bright to with Will Smith and Joel Edgerton and David Ayer is coming back to not only direct, but is taking over writing responsibilities so, for Max Landis. It's called brighter. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Bizarrely, that actually doesn't make the way that bright is used in the film. That doesn't make any sense at all. Right. Which is, which is, which is maybe one of the more weirder problems with this film. The problem with this is, is that, this film should be like the second film in a series. Yes. It doesn't build the world like it should. I don't know. I feel like I've been talking the whole time. Cam, what did you think? I about feel this? like, so this is, I feel like 2017 has been a year of a lot. There's been a lot of great movies and we're going to do a top 10 episode later this month in January. Once we've kind of seen uh phantom thread in the post gone wide, but I feel like 2017 for all the good movies it had, there were a lot of movies that seemed like really good ideas and were good concepts, but were very poorly executed. 
Um, and I think this falls into that category. I, it's an interesting world that they've created, but it, the characters are so stiff and rigid and it's so heavy handed. Like there is no, there, I, I don't think this movie knows the word subtlety whatsoever. Everything in this movie is like to the nth degree. I mean, it's just nuts that nobody along the studio was like, Hey, you don't think that this whole, like, Hey, if you're an orc and we go up against an orc, are you going to be an orc first or a cop first? Like that's not a little heavy handed as to what you're trying to allude to. I don't, it feels, it just was, I don't know. If you're going to talk about, if you're going to make a social commentary, you should probably get some sociologists to consult yes, on your film. Which I don't think that they did. But I so will say this. My- it's There's some very cool parts to the movie. And there are some very yeah. well done scenes. But overall, it it's, just fell flat. <clears throat> and it totally wastes um, Numi Rapace. Why is she cast in this film? Right. She doesn't do a dang thing. She's great. And she doesn't do anything. Right. And this is like, we talked a lot about how the world, like it comes at night. The world is more interesting than the actual film. Uh, I feel like this falls into that as well, where it's like two very different movies that I would grade very differently. Um, But it's frustrating because, you know, I love Will Smith. I love Joel Edgerton. It's an interesting concept. I think David Ayer is very talented when left to do his own thing, but I think he's kind of gotten caught in this like studio thing. So I don't, I mean, 11 million people watched it, which the average ticket price nowadays is $9. So if you put that in and do some math, you know, they made $99 million on opening weekend, which is pretty impressive for a December release. Well, my thought on that is, is I'm not sure why Netflix is in the movie game. Because no one is subscribing to Netflix just to see a movie like they would for a TV show. Not this but movie. I'm not sure that it makes a lot of sense. Well, no, yeah, not this movie. But they're okay, subscribing sure. for the prestige. Like, it's the same. The way that I look at it is Netflix now can say that they have a big budget blockbuster movie under their belt. They have a $100 million movie that they've produced with big actors and it if anything, that's a draw then for other directors. And I mean, in the next year they have uh, Scorsese's uh, the Irishman with Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, uh, Joe Pesci and a bunch of other people. So I think Netflix, I heard it described this way is that Netflix doesn't really care if you watch anything or not, but they care if you are interested in it. If you're like, Hey, I would like to maybe watch that at someday. If it's enough of a name recognition to get you to subscribe, then that's at least a win in their book. Because once you've already subscribed, they don't care what you do. And so as long as it's like that prestige of maybe, you know, the numbers that aren't interesting are how many people that watched it, how many people subscribed in wanting to watch it. That's the more interesting number. Or how many people left yeah. because they were just like, this is dumb. I'm, I'm out. <laughs> exactly. So I guess my last thing is to kind of borrow something that Jake has said a couple times, I think. This idea is a video game. It's not a it's not a movie. 
um, or maybe a graphic novel. I don't know, but it, it's it would work better. The idea and the story would work better in a different medium. I think. That's well, my final I just thought. think that there's no like they went the exact opposite of having too much exposition. Like they're like we're not going to explain anything. We're just going to jump in and go like who this like dark lord is or any of that kind of stuff. Why am I scared of the dark lord? Is it Voldemort? Is this an alternate <laughs> universe? What's I don't understand. And then they ca- casually throw in like the war of the seven races, but there's only like three races on earth now. Like there's maybe four, I guess if you count fairies. And so it's like, who else are we talking? I mean, you are just indiscriminately murdered, right? Like who are these other three races? If we're counting fairies as one of those four races. And so it's just like, <laughs> There's so like I feel like the background to this movie, if we got a movie set like around the War of the Seven Races, which is called The Hobbit Battle of the Five Armies, <laughs> that's more and that's, you know, that's where we need to start and then jump to present or at least like intercut scenes of some sort of like I'm fine with an exposition dump if you need to do it once in a movie for a movie like this, because it's like you're creating a new world. That's fine. Not everything's going to be Blade Runner where it just kind of explains itself as you go. But at least give us some understanding of something. <laughs> I like, I like, yeah, you're right. This basically is, it has, if I was going to compare it to anything, it's kind of like Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. It's like something <laughs> sort of familiar, Orcs but like incredibly different. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's, it's like an unauthorized sequel to every fantasy novel you've ever read. <laughs> But it's not good. And also the whole like unblooded thing versus like different tribes of orcs. It's like, what's the importance of him being unblooded? Like why? And then at the end, he's like, I'm blooded now. And you're like, I don't I don't understand what that means. Yeah, doesn't sound good, but apparently it is. (laughs) I will say there's that really funny part where he's listening to that death metal song and Will Ferrell turns it off. And he's like, that's one of the most beautiful love songs ever written. That was that made me laugh. But. I don't know. Right. It just so, felt stiff and Jake, formulaic. will you watch this movie now? Probably not. Like if I'm if I'm sick at home and I'm so sick that I can't get out of bed and I have my Netflix remote in my hand, like you know, I might I might do one of those fade in and out of consciousness watches. But uh I think it's worth a hate watch. <laughs> oh, I don't have enough time to hate watch things. I'm oh, honestly real, curious at the percentage of those 11 million people that hate watched this. We'll never know. That's we'll never know. Well, based on my Twitter it. feed, there were quite a few people who started it and didn't finish it. It's not like it's like it's not like it's unbearable to watch. Like it's not like where I'm watching Transformers. Yeah, and it feels like it could redeem itself at any moment. Right. It never does, but it feels like it could. It feels like there could be that one moment where you're like, okay, this is all worth it. This was great. What's funny is like four years ago. Maybe it was less than four years ago. Max Landis had tweeted uh, this. The bright script that I just finished could be my Star Wars. And I don't think he's reached anywhere close to that. Okay, sir. Let's go ahead and get into our top five most anticipated movies of 2018. Starting at number five. Jake, what is your number five most anticipated movie? Uh, My number five is it's mostly there just because I'm. I'm worried, but also hopeful based on all of the drama that's been going on behind the scenes. And that's a uh, solo, a star Wars story. Ooh, interesting. Why are you excited about this? Um, I mean, it's star Wars, you know, so, but it's also like something that we've never really seen from star Wars. It, it's, 
you know, Rogue One was a, a quote, Star Wars story. So it didn't, it wasn't like the saga or the trilogy, but it still was very connected to what was happening in the saga of, and like alluded to things that uh, are instrumental in pushing Star Wars forward. Whereas this is going to be basically like, uh, like a character study, essentially. Um, right. And so I'm really excited about it, but I'm also just, you know, all of the drama that's been going on behind the scenes with Lord and Miller getting fired and Howard being brought on and all the reshoots. And um, it'll be interesting to see how it turns out. So, yeah, I'm, I don't know if it's like my most anticipated in terms of like, I know this movie's going to be amazing. It's my most anticipated to like, hmm, how's this going to turn out? I can't wait to find out how they did it. So, yeah, that's interesting because I hadn't, I hadn't thought about it from that angle. I'd only approached it from the like, what I'm most excited about. But I guess if we're really doing anticipated, that's definitely something to look forward to as far as how do these two sets of directors meld together and all of that. How did that, how does that work out? Yeah. So, yeah. Good pick. Trevor, what's your number five? Um, my number five is also solo. And um I feel like Jake stole everything I wanted to say. <laughs> Sorry. Um there's a lot of there's a lot of intrigue here. It's a new, completely different thing. Um I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. The one thing Jake didn't say oh. is Donald Glover as Lando Calrissian, which is the role he was born to play. True. I feel pretty certain about that. Yeah. Um. So that's that's my most anticipated acting performance of the year. I'll say. Um. So yeah. Solo. Um. It. I don't see how it could be bad. It's definitely going to be interesting. Um. I hope it doesn't have that weird mismatched feeling that Justice League did with having two different directors. But I feel like um Kathleen Kennedy wouldn't let that happen. Now, if Childish Gambino gets up and does a cantina scene, where are we at on that scene? Is that a good thing or cool a bad with it. thing? Down with it. Okay. Okay, cool. I just wanted to know before we went into the movie. Um, my number five most anticipated movie of the year comes out in October, and it's called First Man. It's the next film from Damien Chazelle, who directed Whiplash and uh, La La Land, starring Ryan Gosling as Neil Armstrong. And Ooh. tells the story of Neil Armstrong going to the moon. It's also got Claire Foy, Corey Stoll, Kyle Chandler, Jason Clark, John Bernthal. I mean, it's a killer cast. Chazelle's two oh, for yeah. two in my book. I don't know how you guys feel about La La Land, but... Is this also like a La musical? La Is he going to be like, no. <laughs> I'm on the moon, like, you know, just... Okay, there's a serious lack <laughs> of space musicals in our, in our zeitgeist. Very serious. Now I'm kind of picturing it. I've, he has made two musical films. I guess I don't know if Whiplash is technically. A, do you guys think Whiplash is a musical? It's music based. Have you seen Whiplash? It's it's yeah. It's about music, yeah. right? But it I also mean, has Miles Teller, so you know. There's that. Quick pitch: space opera that's actually an opera. <laughs> Someone make that happen. Isn't On that it. what Andy Circus is trying to pitch? Or not Andy Circus? Andy uh, Bernard is trying to yes. pitch to Robert California. Yeah, very different. Oh, yeah, that's true. Very different than Andy Circus, but yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm pretty because doesn't he like we're flying so high? Yep. Doesn't he? Okay. Yeah, I want to make sure right. I'm remembering right. that right. Hold on, let me get forgot, our uh, yeah. let me get our checklist so I can check off the Office reference. Office reference. Okay. We're good. All right. Keep that tally at one for now. Yeah. And moving on to number four. Jake, what is your number four film of 
2018. Yeah, mine is from a little little animation studio, uh, and it's actually a sequel. This is Incredibles 2 from Pixar. Um, it's another one of those anticipation things of just like, we don't need this, so what is it going to be? And like, I love The Incredibles. I think it's uh, one of Pixar's top 10, maybe even top five films. I think it's really underrated. Uh, and so I'm excited to see them develop that world more. And uh, I, I love good animation. So hopefully this is good animation from Pixar. None of that, none of that crap they've been spewing the past few years. None of that crap they've been spewing. Like Inside Out, that crap. I know, right? Yeah. Garbage. <laughs> Complete garbage. Uh, Trevor, number four. Um, mine's coming out in March. It's called Untitled A24 Horror Film. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't finish it. <laughs> Whatever that is, it's going to make money. It's going to be pretty good, and I want to stay way away from it. <laughs> um, uh, in March, there's a film um, by one of our favorites, who I believe is an honorable minch, um, the film Isle of Dogs. Ooh, we're going to talk about that later. That's oh. my number four as well. Okay. Okay. So, Isle of Dogs, we will be talking about later on. Let's go ahead and, Trevor, do your number three. Number three is a movie that we've discussed a few times in this podcast already because its trailers are awesome. And Rampage it's starring time. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry. Anything, anything starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yeah, A Wrinkle in Time, the, the film adaptation of uh, Madeline Lingle's um, uh, classic science fiction work. Um, or uh, it's it just looks so fun. It it looks it looks um beautiful. It's got Oprah in it. Oprah is amazing. Um, when she acts and cool in real life too, I guess you know. <laughs> um, Chris, it's got Chris Pine is on a tear. He's in this. I'm pretty sure that Storm Reed is gonna be everybody's favorite thing of 2018. Um, this just it just looks so fun. It's a book that I read as a kid. I read again recently, and I love. Um. And it, it looks like it's um, that Ava DuVernay is giving it a film worthy of the source material. Yeah, I Ava DuVernay is very close to being an honorable mensch for me. She's uh, she's super talented. Needs she's, a little more work, but yeah, yeah. It needs, needs I mean, but like Selma and Thirteen are both, uh, both mensch worthy, and so I think I think that she's the one. Gosh, Wrinkle, my my only issue is Wrinkle in Time seems like such an unadaptable book. Um, but if there was someone that was going to do it right, I think it would be her. She's the one I have confidence in. So, um, My number three of 2018 is a little film called Annihilation from mm. Alex Garland, the director yeah. of Ex Machina, starring Natalie Portman and a bunch of other people. Uh, are we talking about this later? Or are we talking about it now? Talk about it. So yeah. I just, I, I, finished... it almost, can, it was almost on my list. Really? But okay. Yeah. I, uh, I just finished reading the book and it's a quick or listening to the book. I should say, cause since I'm in the car a lot every day, um, but it's a quick, it's a quick book. It's, I think by, I think it was like six or seven hours audiobook. Um, it's probably cupped like two and two fifty pages. I'm gonna guess, um, but it's a very complex and interesting story. And Alex Garland 
I mean, wrote and direct one of my favorite sci-fi films of the past decade in Ex Machina. So, you know, the trailers for this have been fantastic. The cast is amazing. The writer and director are amazing. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty excited for this one. I think this one could be, uh, this could be like the get out or the, um, Mad Max of this year, the kind of film that no one's really considering that ends up being a huge hit. So, yeah, I think it looks like a lot of fun because I have no idea what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's so good. It, I think that yeah, like yeah. the less you know about this, cause there's a lot of, at least in the book, there's a lot of like twists and turns and slow methodical, um, thoughts in the book that I'm, I'm very excited to see how those translate on screen and just the visuals in the trailer alone. It's like, if I knew nothing about it other than just having visually watched the trailer with no audio. I'd be in. So, Jake, your number three most anticipated movie. Mine is uh, one that we've talked about a lot and I think is going to change the entire course of a franchise that we've talked about a lot as well, and that's Black Panther. Um, we'll talk about that one in a second. Yeah, I'm, I'm stoked about it. It looks awesome. Yeah. So, Jake, go ahead and get to your number two then. All right, so my number two is... Um, by my favorite writer currently working in Hollywood, Taylor Sheridan, and it's Sicario 2 Soldado. Um, Sicario, Did he write that? yeah, he wrote it. Uh, he's not directing it though. Um, Ooh. and so Sicario, uh, Hell or High Water, Wind River are all in probably my top 10 of the last like five years of films. Uh, I just love. <laughs> that style of filmmaking and storytelling and uh, Taylor Sheridan's incredible. Um, I mean, I think once he makes this movie, I think that'll put him at five things he's been involved with. And he's definitely going on my honorable Minch list. Um, so yeah, this, this guy's one of the best storytellers in Hollywood and I'm super excited about this movie. Yeah. I think the trailer was pretty cool. Um, the only thing that worries me is that we don't have, Villanue and Deacons on board this time. But I mean, Sheridan's scripts are amazing. And yeah, that's a great pick. One I hadn't considered at all. So he seems, he seems to really be able to get a director to share his vision. Yeah. Because a lot of his, his films, even like even the ones he's he's directed or he hasn't directed, they all have a similar feel and a similar style to them. So I think I'm not too worried about that because he's worked with multiple different directors before and directed himself, but yet we all still get we still get um a similar kind of film from him. Yep. Right. Like Heller High Water is directed by David McKenzie, who hasn't done much of note. So yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Good number two. Uh, Trevor, what is your number two? All right. My number two is I stole Jake's thunder a little bit, but it is (laughs) Black Panther. Um, This looks awesome. I mean, um, Chadwick Boseman is fantastic. Um, We love Michael B. Jordan. Um, He's, I guess, the bad guy, it kind of seems like from the trailers. Yeah. um, but he looks cool as hell. <laughs> so, I mean, it's always a good quality for your villains to have. 
Um, this just looks crazy, like insane, like a bigger scope than a lot of what's happened in the Marvel Universe. A different kind of feel, and I'm excited to see what Ryan Coogler is doing with this. Jake, why is this high on your list? Uh, yeah, I mean, everything Trevor said, it just it looks totally different than any Marvel movie we've gotten, and I'm I'm a little tired of the Marvel movie world, so I'm super excited to have this be like almost a palate cleanser slash reset because people are saying it's going to have a huge impact on the Marvel world going into Infinity Wars. I mean, it's going to be... This will be a big year for Marvel. Um, And it's also just like... It's just really cool to see uh, this kind of cast, this kind of story, this this director um, taking on such a big budget, big story thing. It's, It's just showing that Hollywood's willing to take the risks that they haven't been willing to for a long time for stupid reasons. Um, and everyone's super pumped about this. Apparently the first cut came in at four and a half hours. So which I would watch. Yeah, I'd watch it. Yeah, I'd I'd do that. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So, um, I'm, I'm pumped about it. Michael B. Jordan. I just looked at our honorable mensch list is not an honorable mensch, but very well should be. We'll, uh, we'll work on that. You know what? (laughs) We're going to go ahead and right now, Take Whoa. a vote. <laughs> Are we really? The first ever yeah. on-the-spot vote. Michael B. Jordan, yes. is he an honorable mensch? Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. Minus Fantastic Jordan, Four, but yes. Minus Fantastic Four, but I mean, that guy can... I'll, be, I'll watch anything he's in, regardless of Fantastic Four. I mean, Creed is amazing. He's fantastic in Fruitvale Station, and those are the two movies that he's worked on with Coogler. I think Coogler is one of the best up and coming directors right now. And I, he's so good in Friday night lights. Oh yeah. That's, that's oh, Michael I mean, that's, B. Jordan. That's, that was, yeah. yeah, that was my first introduction to him. Yeah. Yeah. Vince um, the, also, the character of Vince yeah. is just fantastic. Yep. Also great in Chronicle. One of the more original films, um, of, of the last few years, Mm-hmm. but yeah, the prequel to the new power Rangers. Yes. Hundred <laughs> percent. Also written by Max Landis, who wrote Bright. So yep. there you go. Yeah, his Everything his Star comes Wars. Around. His Star Wars. Um, <laughs> Chronicle was way better than Bright. If anything was his Star Wars, it was Chronicle. Yeah. yeah. Come on now. Oh man, <laughs> Michael B. Jordan. Welcome to the honorable mentions. Uh, man, Black Panther is going to be, and it's Andy Circus. We have Andy Circus acting in a movie, which is anytime that we get that, that's honorable mention. Andy Circus. That's something to be excited about. So number two, Black Panther. My number two is an animated movie and it is called Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Mm. I am okay pumped for this movie. This is written by Lord and Miller and directed by a team of guys. But, you know, Lord and Miller are just amazing writers. Uh, they did things with 21 Jump Street and Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs that I didn't think could be done. And the trailer for this is just insane. The animation style that, is incredible. Right. Yeah. It's so cool. That, that scene where Spider-Man's like falling and the buildings like are upside down. Like it just looks like, and then he's kind of just like free falling spinning. Like it's, they're going to be able to do things because of the animation that we would never be able to see in a live action movie. And that's pretty, that's pretty exciting. 
Um, it's yeah. got a great voice cast too. Shamik Moore, who was in Dope um, a couple years ago, Leif Schreiber, Mahershala Ali, uh, Brian Tyree Henry. There's a lot of really cool people, and we also get our first chance to see Miles Morales on the big screen. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I yeah. am pumped for December 14th for this movie to come out. It's hard to believe that we have to wait a year for this, but it'll be worth it, I believe. Um, but getting into our number one most anticipated movie of 2018, Jake, kick us off. Mine is Wes Anderson's Isle of Dogs. Um, Here we go. I'm basically anything. I'm at the point now where anything that Wes Anderson directs is going to be probably my top one or two most anticipated movies for that year. Um, because for some reason I've made the stupid mistake of like his last four films of being like, meh. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's fine. It'll be good. And then I go into the theater, and I'm just like, "That was amazing. That was that was so good." Um, so I, I'm just now at this point setting myself up uh, for potential disappointment. Um, <laughs> but I no, I'm this. This looks this looks great. This just looks like classic Wes Anderson. Um, and so I'm I'm really excited about it. Trevor, you had it early on your list. Why are you excited about it? Yeah, it's if there were like tiers to our honorable mentions, Wes Anderson would be the top tier in the like literally all I need to know is that he did it. Like I don't yeah, I don't even need I don't need to know what it's about. I don't even know I don't need to know if it's animated or live action. I I literally don't need to know anything else except that I will pay money to go see a Wes Anderson film. Yeah. Right. And and I feel like that's that's kind of that sums it up. That sums up that's as good as I can sum up why I'm excited about this. But also this <laughs> this trailer is bizarre and hilarious and it's a very interesting concept and it might be in Japanese for all we know. Like I I mean the cast too. This is, Holy cow. This is, the voice yeah. cast is insane. Like nobody gets a cast like Wes Anderson gets a cast. It blows my mind every time. Yeah. Like if you look on IMDb, I mean you are 20 deep of A-list actors in Hollywood. Like It's like all of the regulars plus some more fun people and Yoko Ono. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just nuts like what he's able to do and he's reached this point where like his style is unmimicable. Like you can try and do Wes Anderson, but it's not it seems like it would be easy to replicate, but nobody does Wes Anderson like Wes Anderson does. And that's something to be so excited about. Like this guy has a style all his own that nobody's even close to. And I don't even mean that like aesthetic visually, like he has a style of sound. He has a style of acting. He has a style of writing. He has a style of the pace in his films. Everything he does is his own and it's top notch every time. It's almost like, and we could probably do like a whole podcast on Wes Anderson, but it's almost like he makes movies without watching any other movies. <laughs> but I think that he watches, like, from, I've read a couple things, and he watches tons of movies, but they're all, like, old foreign films. And I think, like, that, like... <laughs> like Weekend? <laughs> like, oh, gosh. If you guys have never seen Weekend, it's a French horror comedy um about cannibalism hmm. 
And traffic jams. And tra- <laughs> There's literally, I think it's like 10 minutes. It's a 10 minute tracking shot of a traffic jam. And then there's like a 20 minute sequence of people giving <laughs> monologues in French while other people's heads just turn to the side and then look back at the camera and then turn to the other side. It's the most bizarre movie I've ever seen. And the whole entire right, sorry, time, sorry, me sorry. and Trevor are just sitting there going, what is going on? I miss this part of film school. <laughs> Trevor, number one most anticipated movie of 2018. Number one, this is so unoriginal, and I couldn't break myself away from it, but it is Avengers of Infinity War. That is my number one and as well. Just because it looks so huge and looks like the true payoff you get for steadily building a franchise for a decade and when you throw the whole thing together it's i don't this i watched the it's like i I think i said this a couple weeks ago but this is the only time i can remember in a while that i watched the trailer and then i just watched it again because it just looks so awesome yeah for like it's not gonna be like best picture best movie of the year or anything but it's gonna be a ton of fun it's gonna be awesome and someone's definitely gonna die Someone will definitely die. That is 100% true. It's just like it blows my mind that we're 10 years into this series. Like when this movie comes out, we'll be 10 years almost to the date from when Iron Man came out. And that's that's crazy to think of the journey that they've gone on, what they've done with this series, what Kevin Feige's been able to do, the directors they've brought in, the talent they've brought in. Like I think it gets lost in all the muck of Hollywood, what they've been able to do. And I know that there's a little bit, and we've even, I mean, Jake mentioned it. There's a little bit of a superhero fatigue right now. Um, But I think Marvel's about to do something that's going to blow everybody's mind with this film. And I really, really feel like we are about to see something that we've never seen before culminating. I mean, we're, it's, I think Avengers Infinity War is, it's the, I don't know. This has, it has to be like the 20th. Like once it comes out, I think it's going to be like 19th, actually 19th film within the MCU. And that's, I mean, when you think about the hits and misses within that, there aren't many misses and the hits are pretty like, it's what you want in like popcorn movies. Um, but man, what a movie where that that's about to happen. It's going to be amazing. That's all that we have for our most anticipated movies of 2018. Interesting to note, Mowgli, The Predator, Ocean's 8, Cloverfield 3, Mortal Engines, Venom, John Krasinski's A Quiet Place, Mulan, Ready Player One. There's a bunch more movies. Deadpool 2. I mean, there's a bunch of movies coming out next year to be excited about. There's a lot of cool things that we'll be reviewing, so stick around for that. I'm going to have nightmares just because you mentioned The Quiet Place. (laughs) I forgot about it. I might have put it's it on my so top bad. five of five. Remember that it. that trailer? Oh my gosh! <laughs> All right, so let's get to our review of Jumanji: Welcome to the Jungle, the new film in the Jumanji universe cinematic universe. I don't know how to phrase this, but <laughs> it's a new Jumanji film that everybody was asking for, and they finally got. So, yeah. Jake, what did you think of Jumanji? You know, when I saw the first trailers of this movie and like it's called Welcome to the Jungle and you have that Guns N' Roses track and it's Kevin Hart who's 
really funny, but has had some serious misses recently. And uh, The Rock, who I think is incredibly talented and charismatic, but is often in not good movies. Um, I love Jack Black. Uh, Karen Gillian, I think, is a very underrated, underused talent in Hollywood. But um, And Nick Jonas. I mean, who wants a Jonas brother in their life? Um, so, yeah. Everyone. <laughs> So I I was just kind of like what what is this? It's we don't we don't need this. Um I was pleasantly surprised. Uh it it was fun. Like it was it was it good? No. It not really, but it was a lot of fun. And so uh my only complaint is that I think it should have been like 20 or 30 minutes shorter. The fact that this is 2 hours is really unnecessary. I think if you keep something like this, like an hour and a half, just like a fun movie that for some reason is coming out at the end of the year. Um, I think it would do better. Uh, and I would have enjoyed it a little bit more, but you know, it's, it's fun. It got me laughing. There's some fun action sequences and it, it plays with the concept of, uh, video game tropes and stuff like that in a way that that was cool. I don't know. I, there's not much you can say about this movie. Yeah, that was kind of my thing, too, is as I was putting together the show notes for this, I was like, what do we talk about with this? Because it's very much a surface level popcorn summer blockbuster movie that came out in December for some reason. Yeah. And at the same time, is also oddly placed at Christmas time in the movie. Like just randomly at the end, there's like a snowman and some Christmas lights set up. Yeah. As you know, um, at the beginning of the year, I was like, this is, why is this happening? It feels like they're profiting off of Robin Williams, um, Mm. which is never, you know, okay. I mean, when you think Jumanji, you think Robin Williams, like that's, he's the biggest pull of that original movie. And it just felt, uh, money grabbing. And so I was not excited for this. And even when the reviews started coming out and everybody was like, Hey, it's surprisingly fun. I was like, ah, there's no way. And I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, this is a, it's a lot more of a comedy than anything else. Like there are some very funny bits in this movie. Um, it very much leans into, the cheesiness of it all. Oh yeah. Um, which I, you know, I struggle with that because on one side I love self-reference and I, I love movies that understand what they are. Like that makes the movie so much better is that it knows that it's kind of a joke. If this movie had tried to take things seriously, like the first movie did, it would have been a completely different story. Um, but I think this movie, there's a fine line between knowing that you're funny and cheesy and going with it and like leaning into it very heavily. And I mean, they lean there. are some times where I'm like, okay, I get it. You're funny. Um, but man, I found myself laughing quite a bit with this. Uh, I was really shocked. I liked this movie for what it was and for what I expected it to be. I liked it quite a bit. So now, did you have the experience of like, first off, the trailers that played before this movie were just garbage, every single one of them. 
Um, Jake, I'm going to give you a Jake's ranting rants one minute <laughs> to talk about Nomeo and Juliet because... Yeah, so... Who the hell wrote exactly. that? Like, just who, who wrote it? Who bought it? Who greenlit it? Just DreamWorks. What are you doing? Like, you have so many good properties. You, and this... The, like literally, someone was just like Sh- Sherlock Holmes, Sherlock Gnomes. We can make a movie about that, and then they did it. And first off, the trailer is bad. A lot of like really raunchy humor for what is yes. a very children's animated movie. Um, like me and my wife both turned to each other, and we were both like, "Ooh." Like multiple times during the trailer, like, ooh, I, I wouldn't take my kid to I don't want them being like like quoting those lines back to me. Yeah. It Oof. is a it, it not not good. Not not good. Um not good. John, Johnny Depp's in it. You you don't want to take your kids to see anything that Johnny Wait, Depp's in. Wait, what? That's, he's Sherlock Gnomes. He is not. Oh yeah. my gosh. Dude's gotta get checks, man. He spends money like nobody else. <sighs> Yeah, but even anyways, less reason to go see it. Yeah, so that's the Sherlock Gnomes rant. But so, okay, so based on the trailers for this movie, I was expecting it to be like a kids movie. Like the trailers yes. were all like very kids animated movie style, and then like within twenty minutes, there's like some like raunchy, dirty toilet sex jokes, stuff like that, which were yes. funny. Like got a big laugh in the theater. But um, the how movie- packed was your theater? Nah, my wife I mean- and I went to go see it at seven at a theater in Roanoke, Texas, and I mean, we had a f- like there were people sitting in the first row. We had a full theater. Wow! For two weeks after this has come out on a Tuesday night. Yeah, I saw it today on my way home from work at like five fifteen. So there was only like ten people in the theater, maybe. Okay. Um. But like everybody was into it and and laughing, but uh, I just I was not surprised or I was not expecting that it was um it wasn't marketed that way and I'm not complaining about it. I just it felt I was surprised. Um, I I think Jack Black is incredible in this, like yeah. super funny. The the way just the physicality he brings to the performance in, in his mannerisms and the way he changes his voice. And, um, it's just really, really good. Really funny. Uh, one, one thing that I think is funny about the film itself is that this makes the original Jumanji look like an incredible piece of filmmaking just in like totally different tone and styles. Yeah. So, I don't, I, I didn't, I guess I don't remember the original as well as I thought I did because there are pieces in this that I kind of had to familiarize myself and I, not to get into spoilers, but there's even a part at the end that I was like, wait, wouldn't this happen instead? And my wife, uh, who loves, uh, the original is a big fan of it, had to remind me of a couple different things. And so I don't have the best memory of the original as far as just like remembering what all happens, but. I remember liking the movie quite a bit. I rewatched the trailer just to try and get a feel for it. And oh, 90s the CGI trailers, was man. terrible. Yes, the voiceover. Uh, in a world. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was not great, but it's, uh, I don't know. It's one of those things that I feel like the, it was good for its time, but probably hasn't aged great. Yeah. Um, Now that being said, Robin Williams is a gem in whatever he's in. Um, but I'd be willing to bet that if we watched this now and did a review of this now, we probably would be like, yeah, that was a waste of a two hours. Um, not to say that we wouldn't like it, but it's just, I bet this is a movie that doesn't hold up as well. Um, okay. So man, big complaint I have, I don't know if you caught this. So this is a spoiler. And so just skip like, Two minutes ahead. Are we in spoilers? We're in spoilers now. Whatever. Let's this go ahead and get into spoilers. We've done our general silly. thoughts. Yeah. It's been out for two weeks. Go ahead. Yeah. There's not spoil. much to spoil. It's basically a video game story. You know what's going to happen in like the first 10 minutes. Um, yeah. So, okay. The original Jumanji, Robin Williams gets sucked into the game and is stuck yep. there. And then when the new kids that pick it up and play free him, he's aged the amount of time he's been in the game. Yes. This version, the kid at the beginning gets sucked into the game, the people free him, and he just gets put back right where he was, even though he was in the game for 20 years. That's So I had that same thing. When I walked out, I was like, why does he get put back where he was? My wife yeah. had to remind me, that's actually what happens in the original. Okay. Robin Williams and Bonnie Hunt get put back, and then there's this whole new timeline of everything. Okay. Okay. I... Okay. Complaint withdrawn. I withdraw my complaint. (laughs) Another complaint stemming from that. Why do you have Colin Hanks in it for five minutes at the end of it? Why not? That was so distracting. Maybe he's a big Jumanji fan and just wanted to be a part of it. Like all those celebrities in Star Wars. Can you picture Tom Hanks and Colin Hanks just sitting in their living room watching that back in the 90s? I like to think so. (laughs) I, I like to think so. Yeah, sure. Sure, yeah. They probably would have. Okay, do you know who directed Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle? No, and it doesn't show at all or care or matter, really. But it's a man named Jake Kasdan, son of Lawrence Kasdan, who wrote Empire Strikes Back, Raiders of the Lost Ark. What a bummer. Lawrence is so disappointed in him. But he did direct Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story. Oh. <laughs> Good. Uh, that's, yeah. I don't want to assume things, right. but that seems kind of like <laughs> he gets jobs because his dad is Lawrence Kasdan. Um, yeah, his last two films are Bad Teacher with Cameron Diaz and oh Sex Tape gosh. with Cameron oh Diaz. Oh, my gosh. That, that's the lowest level of garbage that Hollywood puts out. Man, that's a bummer. Um, well, fortunately, like, like I said before, there's nothing, there's nothing really wrong with this movie. Like, no, like the directing is fine. All the performances are pretty entertaining. Uh, the story is what you expect. Predictable. Like it's, yeah, predictable, cheesy, fun. Um, which honestly is like, I don't, I don't know if it's intentional but it's like very suiting for what it is because it's, it's a video game, you know, like the narrative, right. the narrative's a little loose. The character development isn't 
much. It's mostly just getting over obstacles and, and chases and threats. And, you know, it's, it's, it's funny and there's a lesson. Um, and so in, in that sense, if they were intentionally making it like a video game in that way to like little tongue in cheek, good for them. I don't think that's what they were going for of like, mm, let's make fun of video games. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's fine. Yeah, it's my biggest problem. So I have a couple different issues with this, but overall, like, I think it's a decent film. It's a fun popcorn film. It's not ever going to make a lasting impression, but it's, I was entertained for two hours. Um, but the last, the third act of the movie kind of falls apart for me. Once they try and get to the statue and they start setting up that plan, it was kind of, up until that point, the predictability hadn't bothered me because I had been having so much fun along the way with the characters. But I feel like in the third act, it kind of loses what makes it special. And it's so focused on the action and just getting to the end that it forgets what it what made it good up until that point. Um, that's not to say that there weren't some funny moments. Um, but it just it was kind of one of those things where I was like, okay we all know how this is going to end. Let's kind of just hurry up and get to there. Um, and then it takes like 10 minutes once it ends to actually end. And there's just like 10 minutes of, uh, loose ends tying up that, you know, kind of just, I don't know. Doesn't feel necessary. Um, because of how predictable this movie is, you can kind of tell like, where it's going to go and what um, the problem there is that they developed these characters to a certain point within the video game. And then I think they were worried that the thought would be that once they got out of the video game, that that development would go away. And so their thought was like, okay, now we have to prove that the development that, that they made within the video game stuck in the outside world. Like, this has changed them in the outside world, which is um, unnecessary but understandable as to why they did it. It isn't, I feel like you can cut the movie to when they get back and do everything within a one-minute quick cleanup right there. Um, but that's, that's, one of my, that's another one of my problems, is that this movie does a very good job of creating some likable interesting characters in the real world. And then you're kind of just, they're just thrown aside and you kind of have to like readjust and be like, okay, now we're not going to see those characters again, but it's these actors playing versions of those characters mixed with their stereotypes in the video game. It was kind of like, it took me a little bit to be like, but I liked those characters. Like there was some fun moments with those characters early on and those kids and, you know, I wonder what this movie would be like if it was just the kid actors and none of the big uh, action stars. Or not action, but I guess comedy. Um, yeah, I actually think that um, that didn't bother me because I think that this, the script as well as the performances did a really good job of channeling those characters that they set up. Um, it wasn't like the writing was any different or even a lot of the delivery wasn't that different. Um, it was just coming from a different actor, you know, it was still the same right. character. So for me, it, it right. worked. 
Yeah, and they had some fun with that. Like there is some great like when Jack Black is trying to teach Karen Gillan oh my how gosh. to flirt. That was so funny. That was amazing. That was great. Yeah. Um I never thought that I would be laughing so hard at Jack Black playing a girl trying to learn how to pee in a boy's body. <laughs> yeah, that there was a lot of uh a lot of humor like that that I wasn't expecting in this movie, but was pretty yes. funny. It played very like very well in my theater. I mean, there are people laughing quite a bit. Yeah. And uh I think it's those kind of moments. Maybe not that in particular, but there's some like the character moments that are these characters experiencing new things and trying to learn and grow that are the real uh fun parts of the movie for me. And that's uh that's great, but it's it, it one of the things that frustrated me was at the end, you know, you have this relationship between uh Spencer Gilpin and the fridge and out of nowhere, you know, they've been at odds, but then they seem fine at times. But then at the end, there's just this like moment of like, hey, we're good, right? And then it's like, yeah, we're good. And then they're like, like, there was never any like work for that moment other than being like, we used to be friends and then you became cool. Yeah. And also like, I just think that's typical, like high school movie kind of thing. Like, um, or maybe not typical high school movie, but just this this kind of movie. You know, it's like, oh, we went through an experience together, and now we're good. And oh, there's the popular girl. Hey, Bethany, come over here. Oh, hey, like now we're now we're best buddies, and we hang out all the time, right. even though this all just happened on Friday. Um, right. So yeah, I mean that's, but that's I don't know you. It's that kind of movie, you know? That's just yeah. what this is. Um, for me, I think my biggest complaint, besides it being a little too long, which I talked about earlier, um, is just the the villain, which once again kind yes. of applies to the video game trope of like most video games don't have a good villain. Most video games, right. the villain is the levels and the challenge and the progression of your character. Um, so if... That's what they're going for. One like well done with that little wink, wink at video game culture. Um, but I think it was just a, a a a poorly written villain and a pretty meh script in terms of plot. Um, right. So yeah, I mean, which is kind of sad because he's such a good actor. Yeah, he's a great actor. He's just not given anything to do. Yeah. Um. Other than like make typical villain faces and also like they don't really ever like i don't know if this is another video game trope i feel like we're racking a lot of things up to like it's a video game trope um which you know works in their favor but there was a lot of times where it was like wait he can do what with animals i thought he lost the stone which gave him his powers but he still has this why does he need the stone back like the plot just kind of felt convoluted in that sense to me. Like, I know that you need to put the uh, stone back to break the curse, but why does Bobby Cannavale need the stone if he still has the powers that the stone provided him in the first place? Yeah, just a weak plot, man. Just a weak plot. But, you know, I don't think anyone was going to this movie for the plot. 
And I don't think that... I think we have to review this movie in a little bit different of a way than we review most, in going that we're not... What you're looking for in this movie, at least for me, and you may feel differently, but was was I entertained and did I have fun? And to both of those answers, I can say yes. Like, I was entertained, I had fun. Is this movie going to be in my top ten at the end of the year? Yes, it's my number one, but that's different. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's it's not going to be one of those types of films. But I was entertained for a little bit. Yeah. Um, and- like the chemistry between the actors is what you're going to see, and that's yes. definitely here. So, right. I mean, there's and, really nothing that you can complain about when that's that's what the movie's being billed as, and it's like basically right. what got the movie made was the fact that The Rock is an executive producer on it, and he has access to basically like if The Rock calls, you pick up, and so like when he calls Kevin Hart, Jack Black, and I don't know if Karen Gilliam was their first choice, but she did great. Um, right. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's what you're going to see is The Rock and Kevin Hart and Jack Black and uh, Karen Gillian be funny and witty and, like, action scenes. And I think that's why most of the time I complain about, like, cheesy, bad action movies. But, like, this movie was marketed in a way that I had, like, zero expectations for. And the fact that it was even like somewhat good. I'm like, eh, yeah, this, why not go see it? This is, this is pretty good. Yeah. Like this is a movie, you know, what's funny is during our rotten tomatoes guesses for this movie, Jake, you even gave this movie, you gave this movie, I think a 38. Yeah. I was um, way off, <laughs> but you guessed a 38 strictly based on the rocks charisma. And that is a huge pull in this movie is the rock is so stinking entertaining um and him mixed with kevin hart and jack black and karen gillen it's just those four actors are 100 percent perfect for these roles like you couldn't have cast those four any better yeah and that's the best part of this movie is those four people the way they feed off of each other and the comedy that's bred from them being together in the same room so for a movie that should have never been made I was entertained and had fun. Yeah. And that's about, you know, as high of a compliment as you would want from this kind of film. Like nobody's going to this to be, you know, Oscar caliber phantom thread type of movie. You just want to go and be entertained. Mm -hmm. And I think that, uh, I think the studio is going to be pretty pumped with the box office from this movie, considering, um, on the high end, they don't know the official budget on the high end. It was made for 110 million. So even if you go double that with um, marketing, which this movie had quite a bit of marketing. So let's say two two fifty. this movie made $342 million so far. It's been out for two weeks. So it's a hundred million over even the highest end of its budget. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're definitely going to be talking about a sequel. Um, I was actually thinking about how like unique it is that the fact that, Jumanji didn't have a sequel. Like if the original Jumanji was made today, like if this was the original one, they would have, yeah, they would have had this movie come out with two sequels already planned in like a cinematic universe to expand. They would have had spinoffs out the wazoo. Yeah. Like, and, and 
I think it just kind of shows the different times that we live in now. Like Jumanji just came out and it was a great, fun family movie. And that was it. Yep. You know, different times. Um, I mean, there is the spiritual um, successor in Zathura. (laughs) True. Yeah. But yeah, nothing true sequel, which is, yeah, that's, man, that's great. Like now that you've said that, it's like, if that movie came out today, we would, even before the movie came out, they'd be like, you know, this is, you know, hopefully going to launch a whole cinematic universe for us. Yep. We've got years of movies planned based off of this. And, uh, that just makes me frustrated. Oh, <laughs> what a great way to end the review. Yeah. Let's go ahead and get to our ratings before I dip any more on, the, <laughs> on that <laughs> fact. Yeah. Um, um, I, this, this movie is weird, man. Cause it's like, it's not great. It's barely good, um, but it was fun, and like I had such low expectations for it, it made me laugh. Um, so you know, what? I'll I'll give it a B minus. Like it's not something that I'm I'm gonna see again in the theaters or maybe ever again. But like, if right. someone asks me, like, hey, what's a uh, what's a fun movie to go see at the theater for some laughs for a date night or something? Like, this is a movie that I think almost anybody can go see and like have a pretty good time, you know? Right. And, and that's, that's rare. And so there, there's definitely a place for this in, in the world of filmmaking and cinema. Um, we're not just yeah. a bunch of pretentious film snobs. Uh, there's definitely a place for this. And, and I think they, I think they hit it out of the park for what they were going for. So, so kudos to them. This is the type of film that if it's on like TBS or TNT or Fox and you see it on there, you could put it on at any point in the movie and be like, hey, yeah, this is fun. Yeah. Like, it's not like a uh, San Andreas to give another rock film that you're like, why is this on every single time I check <laughs> FX? It is on um, there a lot. Every stinking time. It's like I'll be working on a project late at night and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I should check what's on TBS or on FX right now. And it's like, the Rock San Andreas. And I'm like, seriously? Really? That movie again? Every time. There's so many good movies. But yeah, this is this is good for what it is. Nobody expected this movie to be as good as it ended up being. So well done. The leads in this movie are fantastic. It's funny. Um the action's what you expect it to be, but it's really the charisma, like Jake had said, between the four characters, between the four main characters, that's uh what keeps you in this movie. So um for what it is it's good i'm gonna give it a c plus just because it's you know it's good it's not great it's not bad it's just kind of right there in the middle but it's fun and i was entertained and laughed quite a bit there you go job well done sony job well done Lawrence kazan's son jake (laughs) and job well done to all the actors in this movie so let's get to our content of the week trevor what is your content of the week all right, in the spirit of um, Jumanji, and despite me not having seen the newest version, I am going to recommend a couple board games. Ooh. Um, I like board games. They're a lot of fun. Um, I, I know that, like, um, I mean, I, I would recommend, like, Settlers of Catan, but I'm sure that everyone has made their way around to it by now. Um, a couple a couple other ones that I really enjoy. One is called Ticket to Ride, where you build... Um, trains or train tracks across the country 
while trying to beat other people to it. Um, it's a very simple game, but it's very fun, really easy to get onto. And then another one, um, it's it's a co-op game where basically everyone who's playing is playing against the board and against kind of the cards you turn up, and it's called Pandemic, where you are trying to quash an outbreak of multiple different diseases across the world by playing different roles, and you have to kind of give a get a strategy together, and you're at, you're really at the mercy of the game. Um, it's kind of the closest thing I felt like to playing kind of an RPG video game, um, but but with the board game kind of thing. So a couple board games this week. Um, hopefully you don't get sucked into any, either one of them. <laughs> but um, Ticket to Ride and Pandemic are both pretty fun. Nice, Jake. Yeah. So I'm gonna stick on the Jumanji theme as well uh, and recommend the video game that this movie Jumanji basically totally ripped off. And that game is the Uncharted series on PlayStation. If you like anything about Indiana Jones or any of that kind of like adventure, paleontology, uh, all like finding stuff and exploring and battles and basically uh, the actual video game version of Jumanji, uh, check out the Uncharted series. It's it's really good. It's it's the most thing. It's the closest thing to like playing a movie experience that I've had with the video game. So really cool storytelling happens in that game. So yeah. Nice. Um, I'm going to go, I talked about this earlier, the book Annihilation. Um, it's the first in a trilogy called the Southern Reach Trilogy. The book is very good. It's a quick read or listen if you're on Audible. Um, very entertaining and it's, you know, it's kind of cool to have the visuals from the movie in trailer form and just kind of be able to creatively think like okay where is this how is this going to play out because it's just it's a very well written book um and the other thing is i don't know if we've talked about this before i feel like i don't know how if we haven't talked about it how we've missed it there's a podcast out there that's another movie podcast but it's called the director's cut and it takes place um at the director's guild of america's theater in la and it's directors interviewing directors after their movies have screened at the DGA. So you get like Spike Jones interviewing Ryan Johnson about Star Wars. You get Christopher Nolan interviewing Edgar Wright about Baby Driver. Um, and it's really kind of fascinating to just like hear behind the scenes. And I think, you know, directors know what to look for in films and they've got a more honed eye than anyone else and so the way that they ask questions and you know it just feels like a conversation between friends it's really 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 well done and something you should check out there's a bunch of really great episodes Um, I will say if you haven't seen the movie don't listen to the (laughs) podcast because I did that on one and got something spoiled for me on a movie that we're going to interview soon Um, because they put one out on the post with Steven Spielberg being interviewed by Patty Jenkins from Wonder Woman this year and I was like, dang it. But then again, that's a true story, so I wasn't that bummed. Anyways. Uh, wait, was one of the questions that Spike Jones asked Ryan Johnson how to make good movies? Ooh. Wow. Shots fired. Whoa. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> bad. You don't like Spike I, Jones I, movies? I have. Have you seen her? I've, I haven't seen her, and I know people like her. Her's amazing. So, so I get that. I've, I've never been too impressed with him. Also, he he 
goes by a weird screen name, and that prejudices me against him for no good reason. <laughs> what you don't, uh, you think that he should have gone by sorry, Adam? Sorry, Spiegel? Spike. Sorry, Spike Jones. Cam, I'm gonna do a quick uh, piggyback recommend off of your recommend. There's another podcast called The Business, which is kind of in that same vein. Um, and it's it's very interesting. It's one-on-one with directors, and uh, they just did one with Ridley Scott about how he had to basically reshoot the entire All the Money in the World film because of the Kevin Spacey controversy in under six weeks. Um, yeah. So it that's another podcast if you're into the film industry, behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, Director's Cut is fantastic, and uh, if you like that, then check out The Business. That's awesome. Yeah, that would be fascinating to hear him... I think I've read snippets from that interview. If it's the interview I'm thinking about, that's a fascinating. It's crazy, man. Crazy story. Also, Ridley Scott just does not care about anyone. No. (laughs) He's like, look, I'm old. I'm going to do whatever I want. Is that the one where he talks about his opinions on Blade Runner 2049? I think so. I haven't gotten to the end of it. Okay. He gives some pretty candid impressions of what he thought of that movie. Can't wait. Can't wait to get there. So... (laughs) Okay, real quick, Trevor, you don't like Spike Jones movies? I, I've only seen a couple. Um, Which I couple? Not impressed. I, I was not impressed with where the wild things are. What? Um, it's okay. What about it's fine. being John Malkovich or adaptation? I haven't seen adaptation. Being John Malkovich, I haven't seen it in a really long time. But I remember watching it and being like, "Just what is going on? I don't even understand." Okay. So that's fair. I'll give I'll I'll give Spike Jones another chance. I'm sorry that I was so mean to him. <laughs> okay. 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 That's fair. That's fair. Okay. Okay. That's, that's fair. That's fine. Oh, oh, Cam. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's whatever. It's fine. It's fine. Let's move on. <laughs> Anyways, that's all we have for this week. We'll be back next week with a review of Molly's game. Um, until next time, if you want to get in contact with us, go to our website at popcornoptional.com. You can interact with us more on our Twitter at popcornoptional. If you're into Facebook, we have one of those too, but you know, that's that. We like Twitter. Uh, my name is Cameron Salino. You can find me online at 321 Time. Jake, where can we find you online? You can find me at my website, jakebrown.tv. And then this year, I'm going to try and do better at like Instagram and stuff. I got a camera now, so... Yeah, so it's also jakebrown.tv, and my new reel is up there if you want to see kind of what I do in the filmmaking world. So yeah, jakebrown.tv. I am on Instagram and Twitter, at TurboTrevor. And I haven't been posting a lot on either, but maybe we'll do some more things pretty soon. Guys, we've got a lot of exciting things coming out this year. We're just getting started, so if you like us, share us with a friend, get along for the ride. It's going to be an exciting year, and we are so excited for the movies to come and for the episodes that we're about to record. So, yeah, share us with a friend. Let us know what you think about us. And until next time, pop, pop. Bye.